Welcome to the LibriVox Community Podcast, number 143. I'm your host today, Kangaroo. The theme today is LibriVox Firsts, the first experiences of LibriVox volunteers in recording, soloing, and other volunteer opportunities. Let's get started. December Libriversaries Four members who are celebrating a Libriversary this month are Meredith, form name Lyra211, Peter, form name P. Eastman, who have been here for 11 years, Roger, and Clive, form name Clive Catterall, have been here for 9 years, Sydney G., and Dennis, form name Dynasty, have been here for 8 years, Bill, form name Bill Mosley, Taslim, form name Voice Artist Media, Jules, form name Jules 8, and Algie Pug have been here for seven years. Realistic Speakers and Gabriel, form name Gabriel C, have been here for six years. Noel, form name Noel Bad Ryan, Danny, form name Danny Hauger, Michael, form name Marmenta, Steve, form name Steve Gao. Dave, form name Craig Dave One, Nina, form name Nina Brown, and Exemplaro have been here for five years. Kyle, form name Mr. Kyle, Matt, form name Embray Miller, and Greg, form name Greg Giordano, have been here for four years. Rob, form name Rob K, Victor, form name Phileas Fogg, son of the Exiles, Johan, form name Johan Catalope and Lydia, form name Lydia CW, have been here for three years. Doug, form name Doug42, Douglas, form name Papa Doug, Mary, form name Mary Bard, Amelia, form name Platsicle, Tess, form name Tilly, Renzo, form name R. Clerico, Diana, form name Diana S., Landon, form name D. Kelkind, and John, form name J. Burlinson, have been here for two years. Nancy, form name NS2001, Jennifer, form name Jennifer 4, Emma, form name SRJ7892, Tom, form name Tom Davis Beal, Maya, form name Maya S, Celine, form name Stella Loon, George, form name Gallon87, and Kathleen, form name KFLAN, have been here for one year. At LibriVox, we value all our volunteers. Whether you are here daily, weekly, or just every now and then, we thank you for your contribution. This month, we would like to thank those of you having your Libriversary and send a special pat on the back, high five, well done, and thank you. Now for some statistics from the month of November. We have cataloged 84 projects this month. The total for 2016 is 970. We should be able to reach a thousand this year. And here are some other stats. Total number of projects 10,918. Number of completed projects 10,296. Number of non-English projects completed. 1,376 
Total number of languages, 94. Number of languages with a completed work, 36. Number of completed solo projects, 5,700. Number of readers who have completed something, 7,796. Internet Archive is intending to create a backup of their collections in Canada, and they're looking for donations to do so. If you would like to donate, please visit archive.org. And now it's time for promos of recently released LibriVox audiobooks. Hi, this is Twinkle, and I'd just like to put in a good word for the newly completed dramatic reading, Under the Lilac. When a raggedy boy from the circus limps into the lives of the Moss family, he is unlike any child they have ever met. With his devoted and clever dog Sancho at his side, Ben's amazing stunts from the big top and kindly eager persona win the hearts of the Mosses, as well as the nurturing affection of his new mistress, Miss Celia, and the friendship of her spoiled brother, Thornton. From birthday parties to broken bones, times of triumph to times of tragedy, the group sticks together through it all in this heartwarming children's story by Louisa May Alcott. Narrated by Christine Lehman, the cast includes the resilient and good-natured Ben Brown, read by Aaron and Lebowitz. I'm twelve, ma'am, and I can ride anything on four legs. The brave and spunky Bab Moss, read by Rachel. I mean to play with all the mad dogs I can find. Then folks will think I'm smart and give me nice things. Bab's sister, sweet little Betty Moss, read by Rachel's sister in real life, Super Coconut. I'll love you, no matter what anybody else does. Ben's compassionate employer and wise mentor, Miss Celia, read by Leanne Pang. Being kind and cheerful, doing one's duty, helping others, and loving God is the best way to show that we are pious in the true sense of the word. Celia's prickly but loyal brother, Thorny, read by Kangaroo. Now, Celia, don't you be soft-hearted. He's a sly little dog and knows my eyes on him. The caring matriarch, Mrs. Moss, read by Beth Thomas, I'm going to take you right home and wash and feed and put you in a good bed. And tomorrow, well, we'll see what'll happen then. Along with many other entertaining voice talents, I invite you all to join us under the lilacs for Regularly Jolly Time. I would like to advertise the recently released Stamp Collecting as a Pastime. In this book... The author, Edward J. Nankivell, was an early stamp collector in England. In this book, he describes the hobby of stamp collecting. He was also the editor of the Philatelic Record and Stamp News. Here is a clip of audio from the preface to the book. Many people are at a loss to understand the fascination that surrounds the pursuit of stamp collecting. They are surprised at the clannishness of stamp collectors and their lifelong devotion to their hobby. They are thunderstruck at the enormous prices paid for rare stamps and at the fortunes that are spent and made in stamp collecting. The following pages will afford a peep behind the scenes and explain how it is that, after nearly half a century of existence, stamp collecting has never been more popular than it is today. And perchance, Many a tired worker in search of a hobby may be persuaded that of all the relaxations that are open to him, 
none is more attractive or more satisfying than stamp collecting. The book has a total running time of just over 3 hours and 17 minutes. It also includes the stamp advertisements, which were originally featured in the back of the book. Read by LibriVox volunteers Kangaroo, Ross Clayte, Realistic Speakers, Betty B., Trisha G., Catherine Ingen, John Berlinson, and Bill Mosley. The book is an interesting and informative read from the early years of stamp collecting in the British Isles. It was meta-coordinated by Catherine Ingen and proof lessened by Lynette Giesel. Thank you. To listen to these and other public domain audiobooks, please visit LibriVox.org. And now, a special segment from Son of the Exiles on voice characterizations. G'day, listeners. I'm Son of the Exiles, and this is my sound man, Bachelor Number One. <coughs> and today, we're inside your MP3 device. Hey, can I get a sound check there, buddy? Well, when will you be off your coffee break? Oh, struth. Well, there's nothing for it. He's union, you know. Hey, folks, you know why lightning comes before thunder? Because even Mother Nature has to wait on audio. Oh, we're good to go now, huh? Okay, let's get this show on the road. I'd like to talk to you today about voice characterizations. Now, it's my opinion that, in any novel, it's the voice characterizations that make a story come alive. Do you have trouble switching between voices, or keeping a characterization consistent? Then go through the text first, highlighting each character's voices in a different colour. Then you can record them all in one go, thereby keeping the voice sounding consistent. Are you raring to go on a recording, but have been stymied by hay fever, colds, or some such? Do you feel that it's impossible for you to record today? Fear not, impossible is not a LibriVoxic word. Unless you're under strict doctor's orders to rest your voice, find a character somewhere in your audio book to-do list that can be interpreted by a raspy or croaky voice. Sometimes hay fever will cause you to wake up in the morning with a slight touch of congestion of the throat rather than the nose. While only temporary and not otherwise particularly affecting your voice, it can drop the lower limit of the pitch of your speaking voice several notes. Perfect for a male hero or villain, or, in the case of the ladies, a silky contralto. But be aware this pitch-lowering phenomenon only lasts for a short while after rising from sleep and the first drink of water, tea, etc., will clear your voice box, and the pitch of your voice will rise back to normal. Here's an example of what I'm talking about. Now, this is my normal speaking voice. Here's me pitching my voice deeper for the dad rud roll in On Our Selection. And the following is one of the Mitchell speeches from Send Round the Hat, with the early morning hay fever effect I mentioned kicking in. I might add there's no pitch-altering software at work here. That's just how my voice sounded that morning. 
Well, I don't think there's so much to his credit after all, said Jack Mitchell Shearer. You see, the giraffe's ambitious. He likes public life, and that accounts for him shoving himself forward with his collections. As for bothering about people in trouble, that's only common curiosity. He's one of those chaps that are always shoving their noses into other people's troubles. And as for looking after sick men, why, there's nothing the giraffe likes better than pottering round a sick man and watching him and studying him. He's awfully interested in sick men, and they're pretty scarce out here. Do you have trouble coming up with different types of voices? Well, start reading a character's speeches out loud, and then try a few different ones. The more extreme, the better. Really ham it up. Switch wildly between different tones and accents and attitudes. Eventually one will start to stick for the character in question, at which time you'll probably dial it back quite a bit. Or maybe not. To demonstrate this, and to take us out, here's a short extract from the first complete audio book I ever recorded, on our selection. The two characters therein are Dad Rudd, and one of his many children, Joe Rudd. Now Joe's voice is about as extreme as the Australian ocker accent gets, or would want to. Here we have him demonstrating the new math. One night after the threshing, Dad lying on the sofa thinking, the rest of us sitting at the table. Dad spoke to Joe. How much, he said, is seven hundred bushels of wheat at six shillings? Joe, who was looked upon as the brainy one of our family, took down his slate with a hint of scholarly ostentation. What did you say, Dad? Seven hundred bags? Bushels, bushels. Seven hundred bushels of wheat. Wheat, was it, Dad? Yes, wheat. Wheat at, at what, Dad? Six shillings a bushel. Six shillings a, ah, Dad? We've not done any at, ah. She's only showed us per. Per bushel, then. Per bushel. That's seven hundred bushels of wheat at six shillings per bushel. And you wants to know, Dad? How much will it be, of course? In money, Dad, or, uh... Yes, money, Dad raised his voice. For a while, Joe thought hard, then set to work figuring and rubbing out, figuring and rubbing out. The rest of us eyed him, envious of his learning. Joe finished the sum. Well, from Dad? Joe cleared his throat. We listened. Nine thousand pound. Dave laughed loud. Dad said, Sure. Then turned his face to the wall. Joe looked at the slate again. Oh, I see, he said. I didn't divide by twelve to bring to pounds. And laughed himself. More figuring and rubbing out. Finally, Joe, in loud, decisive tones, announced, Four thousand, no hundred and twenty pound, fourteen shillings and... Bah, you blockhead, Dad blurted out and jumped off the sofa and went to bed. We all turned in. And here's a special segment from Twinkle, form name Twinkle88, on forum usernames. The forum name. Some make me chuckle, some make me smile, 
Some make me scratch my head and just wonder why. The following is a presentation which may explain the mysteries surrounding some of those foreign names floating around LibriVox. Hi, this is Linda Johnson, and I joined the LibriVox family in July of 2016. My forum name is Wild Linda Johnson, and I've been asked about that many times, but the explanation starts with the amazing man I married. When I first met my husband, Michael, he very soon afterwards told me that his nickname was Shy Mike. Well, this guy was anything but shy. He was outgoing, bold, confident, successful, handsome, you know the type, typical jock. But he had this nickname, no explanation whatsoever, even when pressed. So, naturally, I asked his mom, what gives with this nickname? She shook her head dejectedly and said, I don't know. He's been calling himself this since he was a little kid. I think he used it to get the chicks. So, this became part of his identity from a long way back. He named his boat the Shy Mike and so on. Well, when we met... He started calling me Wild Linda, and anyone who knows me realizes the joke of this. I'm anything but wild. He was anything but shy, and we made a pretty terrific couple. So we became shy and wild and carried on this playful tradition of naming everything that way. We used it for vanity license plates on our cars, email addresses, the name of our boat, name of our fantasy football team. We even had a little business that we called S&W. Well, I lost him a few years ago, and I decided to carry forward this little playfulness, and so I'm Wild Linda Johnson forevermore in his honor. Hi, I'm Fiddlesticks. I use that as my forum name as well as my catalog name. I got that name from a rabbit my sisters and I have named Fiddlesticks. I usually name pets I have from books, and at the time, I was reading a series of books by Sam Campbell to my younger brother and in that series there was a fawn named Fiddlesticks, and I thought it was a pretty cute name and it was a little unique, which I liked as well. So I suggested we name it Fiddlesticks, and everyone else liked it as much as I did. And so it stuck. I like using my pet's names for stuff online as well, and so I had a few choices. I had two Dagoos. One was named Periwinkle, and the other was named Serena. Both characters are found in a book called The Little White Horse but Periwinkle had already been taken, so I decided to stick with Fiddlesticks. At the time, I also had a horse named Miner and a cat named Tigger, but I liked Fiddlesticks because it was a little more unique. And that is how I picked my forum name. Thank you. Hi, this is Clarinet Carrot, both my forum and my catalogue name. I hit upon the name a bit longer ago than I've been on LibriVox as I was trying to decide on a name for a different forum, and thinking of names is not something I'm very good at. So in my blind panic, I decided to combine two things I liked, and I ended up with clarinet, because I play the clarinet, and my alliterative favourite vegetable. Hello, this is Common Sparrow. Well, Common Sparrow 3. I've used the name Common Sparrow for quite a number of years now, because the sparrow has some meaning for me. I think of the Bible verse, Can you not buy two sparrows for a penny? And yet not one falls to the ground without your father knowing. So there is no need to be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. 
I also have a hymn that's a great favorite of mine. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. And if you have not heard Mahalia Jackson sing that, wow. So I'm a common sparrow, and I have been for a long time. Hi, this is Peter Tomlinson. My username on the forum is Lurcher Lover. The reason I use this name is because I have a dog, but she is um, a lurcher. A lurcher is an English breed or a British breed uh, from ancient times. They are a cross between either a greyhound or a whippet and some other breed. In my case, with my lurcher, she is incidentally called Bonnie, but with my lurcher, she is a cross with a deerhound, we think. Absolutely wonderful dog. And um, she's a great hunter, but normally she doesn't hunt, although she does sometimes when she can get away with it. When I say get away with it, what happens is that she'll see a rabbit or a squirrel or something, and she'll go off after it. She hunts deer as well, and foxes she'll chase. So she can be quite a naughty girl. I have to watch her very closely because um, she can go a long distance chasing these things. And I have a job getting her back. And of course, um, it's always a worry when she's gone for any length of time. The longest has been 20 minutes. On average, it's about a minute or two. These dogs were also from the time when people weren't allowed in the distant past to have greyhounds, because greyhounds were the dogs that the royalty used and ordinary commoners weren't allowed to have them. So they would breed whippets and uh, lurchers instead. My name is Twinkle and my forum name is Twinkle88. When I was registering for LibriVox, I really didn't know anything about it, so I didn't want to use my real name. The name that came to mind instead was the name of this cute little turtle I had years ago that my cousins named, so shout out to them. Hi guys. And they named it Twinkle. I wanted to just be Twinkle, but that name was already taken, so I had to add a number to make it different. I knew that a lot of people just put the last two digits of their birth year, but there was no way I was going to do that. Instead, I just thought to myself, what is the average age person's birth year these days? I typed in 88. Yes, I know this isn't accurate, but I was trying to think stereotypically. Anyway. There's no turning back now. I'm stuck as Twinkle88. Hello, this is Kangaroo. My form name is Kangaroo692 on the LibriVox forum. When I joined in August 2014, I didn't know, I had no idea what I wanted my form name to be. I had to think of something, and my real first name is Joey, so that made me think. Kangaroo, that sounds nice. So, I signed up as Kangaroo692, and I do not know why I chose 692. That's the story behind my username. Thank you.
This podcast is about LibriVox firsts. In the upcoming segment, Peter Yearsley describes his first experiences with LibriVox recording The Cow by Robert Louis Stevenson for a weekly poetry project. As far as I can tell, my earliest LibriVox recording to be catalogued was a poem called The Cow by Robert Louis Stevenson. It was read by fourteen of us altogether, and was coordinated by K. Ray. Recorded on the 26th of November in London, UK, as I said at the end. I've just dug it out of the LibriVox catalogue and listened to it. It's much too quiet. We hadn't worked out our 89 decibel guideline in those days. But I can't hear any background noise at all through my headphones. Whereas today I have a microphone that probably cost over five times as much as that early one, and have to work hard with acoustic foam and noise reduction, not to mention recording in the early morning to avoid traffic noise, to get the backgrounds down to an acceptable level. I think I was using a Yogi microphone, which plugged into my computer's sound card, rather than the USB Blue Yeti, which I use now. I had to speak with my mouth about five centimetres from the microphone, or less, and had to avoid moving from side to side by more than about a centimetre, so the microphone didn't lose me altogether. To my taste now, I read the cow much too slowly. I've recorded relatively slowly in almost every recording I've made, but in that one I'm competing with snails and glaciers. The slow, deep voice later fitted me for ghost stories, but my earliest released recordings were all poems. And after the cow, I read four poems in the first short poetry collection. Hugh Maguire started the collection in late November 2005, but Cara took over coordination later, as it was moving so slowly. One of those four poems was Lee Hunt's Jenny Kissed Me, which I can still recite from memory, for very good reasons. We didn't have the LibriVox uploader in those days, so I uploaded my sound files to a free external cloud storage site, and the coordinator would download them and save them on her or his own computer for a sound check and cataloguing. We didn't have a formal system for proof listening set up then. While I was submitting poems, in the background... I had a project which I think was probably the first recording that I started. I had decided to look for a book on Buddhism, or at least on Eastern religions, to read as a solo, and found Rabindranath Tagore's Sadhana, which is a collection of lectures that he gave at Harvard University. After reading the introduction and the first chapter, I decided that the book was excruciatingly tedious, and that it showed to my mind, most incredibly woolly thinking. I almost chucked the project, but my coordinator suggested that we open it up as a group project. We did that, and it has been downloaded a, to me, surprising number of times in the last ten years. Ten years. It's hard to believe. But I'm probably going to continue recording until I die. The Cow by Robert Louis Stevenson 
Read by Peter Yearsley For LibriVox.org The Cow By Robert Louis Stevenson The friendly cow, all red and white, I love with all my heart. She gives me cream with all her might, To eat with apple tart. She wanders, lowing here and there, And yet she cannot stray. All in the pleasant open air, The pleasant light of day. And blown by all the winds that pass, And wet with all the showers, She walks among the meadow grass, And eats the meadow flowers. Recorded on the 26th of November, 2005, in London, UK. Here is a segment by Twinkle, forum name Twinkle88. My first experience with LibriVox was when I read for Die Blythe and Rilla of Ingleside the dramatic reading. Um, I was really excited because Rilla of Ingleside is one of my favorite books that's how I found LibriVox in the first place. So I was like, I wonder if there's a free audiobook online of my favorite, of one of my favorite books, Rilla of Ingleside. And, sure enough, there was one, but it was still in progress. And there were open rolls, and I was so excited. I was like, oh my goodness, I have to do this. So I claimed Die Blythe, and I was so stoked, because... She's, uh, well, you know, to me, she's a pretty big character, because she's Anne Shirley's, one of her daughters, and, but she really didn't have many lines, which was a good thing, because I don't think I was ready for a lot of lines, because I obviously just started out. I think I enjoyed it. I think I was really stressed out, though. I, I think I read my lines, um, I redid them probably about 10 or 15 times, when really, I probably could have just used the second or third try, and it would have been fine. And so I sent that in, and then after that was PLOK. I went through all the other characters that were also available, and I claimed character after character after character, just more and more after character, until finally Beth told me to stop claiming characters because I was claiming too many, and then I just had to wait the project to get done instead of doing it all myself. So, <laughs> well, that, that was okay. It's good to have a nice variety of voices and not all the same person. <laughs> every character and every character. <laughs> well, yeah, that was my first experience. And I hope to have many more. Thanks. Die Blythe, read by Twinkle. Chapter 3 of Rilla of Ingleside. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Rolla of Ingleside by Lucy Maud Montgomery. Chapter 3 Moonlit Mirth. Mary Vance is a habit of ours. We can't do without her, even when we are furious with her. Here is a segment from Amelia Chesley forum name Pladsicle. So I actually joined the LibriVox forums almost two years ago, and I posted my first test recording. 
I think in January of 2015. And whoever reviewed it responded and said, there's too much background noise here. And for whatever reason, I never got a chance to re-record it for that a whole nother year. Um, and it wasn't until the next January when I decided to try again. I had a little more time that year, and I'd also been thinking a lot about LibreVox as a project and getting really curious about how it works with all these volunteers coming together from all over the world. And it's actually something I've been researching as part of my PhD. I think LibreVox is this really great example of community publishing and production and cooperation. So all the writing and media and work that goes into it, I think could be really interesting to study. So I'm planning a dissertation project all about LibreVox and that should be fun. So I posted a new test recording and that one seemed to be good enough. So I've been recording in lots of different group projects and I'm trying to figure out what kind of project I would like to do for a solo recording. And someday I will make up my mind about that and figure it out. My first LibriVox recording, um, or the first sections that I claimed to read anyway, were in a book of Welsh folklore called British Goblins. And I first signed up to proof listen to a few sections, and Lynn Thompson was so encouraging and helpful as I was getting started and figuring out how things were done here at LibriVox, and it was a great experience. And I actually got to come back to this project when uh, we were doing the cleanup month and the big push for the 11th anniversary to get 10,000 projects. So this was one of those that got finished during that time, and it was very exciting. I remember struggling a lot with the Welsh pronunciations um, so I'm sure those don't sound as good as they should um, if you go back and listen. Um, maybe someday I will learn Welsh. Here is an audio clip of that chapter of British Goblins. Fairies being creatures of the imagination, it is not possible to classify them by fixed and immutable rules. In the exact sciences, there are laws which never vary, or if they vary, their very eccentricity is governed by precise rules. Even in the largest sense, comparative mythology must demean itself modestly in order to be tolerated in the severe company of the sciences. In presenting his subjects, therefore, the writer in this field can only govern himself by the purpose of orderly arrangement. To secure the maximum of system for the sake of the student who employs the work for reference and comparison, with the minimum of dullness, for the sake of the general reader, is perhaps the limit of a reasonable ambition. Hi, this is Peter Tomlinson. How did I get started with LibriVox? Well, it's quite recent, in the last two or three weeks, uh, and I can't um, really remember how I managed to find out about LibriVox, but I think it must have been through a link on the internet, and I found out that LibriVox existed and um, got looking at it and decided that I would perhaps take part. Now, my first recording hasn't come out yet because 
it's still in the process of the project being finalised and, and, and some more items to be added. But I've provided four items for this particular thing. The first one was called The Bet and that's by Anton Chekhov and it's a short story. So that is in fact in the short story section and it's short story 065 and it will be in amongst those short stories that mine will appear eventually, I hope. Hello, this is Maria Casper, Common Sparrow. My first recording ever for LibriVox was a chapter of The Hound of the Baskervilles. There were already several versions of this in the catalogue, and one more group version was underway at the time I joined. When I was brand new and I looked at this confusing array of possible projects I could jump into, my eyes lit up when I saw a Sherlock Holmes project, because it was familiar to me. I had enough on my mind dealing with the microphone and the software and the editing, having to deal with brand new unfamiliar material as well. Well, I might have just thrown in the towel and run away. But Sherlock Holmes? I can read Sherlock Holmes. That drew me in. So yes, LibriVox, do please keep starting new group projects of Sherlock Holmes and other old popular works, which we already have several versions of in the catalogue, because other new people joining may feel the same way I did. As to my first solo, that's a little harder question to answer because I didn't get into solos in the traditional way. I didn't decide to sit down and read a whole book by myself, right off the bat. A lot of strange things happened in my journey to doing solos. I remember one case where I had signed up for a group project, a biography of St. Stanislaus Kostka, and as time went on, it began to look as if I was the only person signing up for chapters on this project. And finally, the coordinator, Phil Chenevert, said, do you want to just sign up for all the rest of the chapters and get this done? So in one sense, it was a solo because I read the whole book but I didn't do any of the things a soloist normally does. I didn't set up my own template. I didn't manage my own magic window. All I did was read. But I'm very glad Phil asked me to read the whole book, because it showed me that I could read a whole book myself. And that got me over one hurdle on the way to doing solos. Another of my early solos was a series of three pamphlets about the great Chicago fire. I had no idea how to set this up. Anise was my MC. And I also had a B.C., Lucretia B., Luby. It's not usual to have a B.C. for a solo, so this was definitely going above and beyond the call of duty. Thank you, Lucretia, if you're out there listening. Because not only did she B.C. the project for me, but she also got me into the magic window so that she could show me what she was doing and I could learn how to do it myself. This is a great thing about LibriVox, that people here are willing to go the extra mile to hold your hand and help you through the hard parts until you feel ready to do it yourself. I think my first I did it all myself solo was a food rationing pamphlet from World War I. Marianne was my MC on that one, but I think I did do the template and the magic window myself. I've done several solos since then, and I'm very comfortable now with setting up my own template and managing my own magic window but I'm grateful to the people who helped me in the beginning learn how to do that. Right now, I have, perhaps somewhat rashly, gotten myself involved in BCing my first group project. It's this year's Christmas Carol collection. I think I may have gotten in over my head. 
I'm having a really difficult time with identifying public domain sources for all the carols. So again, I'm learning to do something entirely new, and again, I'm leaning very heavily on my MC. Marianne Spiegel, thank you. I have been pestering you with so many questions. But again, the really nice thing about LibriVox is there are people here who are very patient and willing to hold your hand while you learn how to do something new. The friendliness and the support and the patience with which newbies are guided into doing something comfortably is the wonderful thing about this place. When life is treating me harshly, this is my safe, happy place to come, where I can always feel like I'm doing something useful and it's going to go pretty well because nobody's going to let me fall flat on my face. Somebody is out there to catch me. Thank you to all the people who have been out there to catch me. Here's a section from Chapter 6 of Hounds of the Baskervilles. Sir Henry Baskerville and Dr. Mortimer were ready upon the appointed day, and we started as arranged for Devonshire. Mr. Sherlock Holmes drove with me to the station and gave me his last parting injunctions and advice. "'I will not bias your mind by suggesting theories or suspicions, Watson,' said he. "'I wish you simply to report facts in the fullest possible manner to me, and you can leave me to do the theorizing.' "'What sort of facts?' I asked. "'Anything which may seem to have a bearing, however indirect, upon the case, "'and especially the relations between young Baskerville and his neighbours, "'or any fresh particulars concerning the death of Sir Charles. "'I have made some inquiries myself in the last few days, "'but the results have, I fear, been negative.' "'Hi, my name's Craig Campbell.' also known as Soupy on LibriVox. This is my LibriVox first recording. I've been with LibriVox since 14th of November, 2008. Joined exactly at 6.04 p.m., according to their records. In my first uh, recording was Jerusalem by William Blake. They had a group reading of Jerusalem, and mine was one among many. I then also contributed to What's Wrong with the World by G.K. Chesterton, and I read a few articles for the nonfiction collection, and that's kind of where I stayed for a long time. I got interested in the writings of Soren Kierkegaard and wanted to read some of his works, but found out that none of his works were in the public domain. He lived from 1813 to 1855, and yet nothing is in the public domain. So I had to do research on the archive.org and other places, and I found a bunch of articles that I could read. So I completed a project called Soren Kierkegaard Various Readings on March 29, 2010. From Kierkegaard, I got interested in Rousseau and Goethe and Hegel, and am currently reading Anthropology by Immanuel Kant, and working on The Soul or Rational Psychology by Emanuel Swedenborg. I've gotten to enjoy the 18th century and think it was an important century and should be represented on LibriVox. I enjoy working with the LibriVox staff and administration. I do quite a bit of proof listening and have done a few solo projects. Thanks for listening to my story. Here is Craig Campbell's first LibriVox recording. Jerusalem by William Blake 
Read for LibriVox.org by Craig Campbell in Appleton, Wisconsin. And did those feet in ancient time walk upon England's mountains green? And was the holy Lamb of God on England's pleasant pastures seen? And did the countenance divine shine forth upon our clouded hills? And was Jerusalem builded here among these dark satanic mills? Bring me my bow of burning gold. Bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental flight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's green and pleasant land. End of poem. Hi, this is Daniel Sniffen, also known as Twilight88 on LibriVox. I first joined LibriVox on October 16th, 2016, and my first project that I participated in was Behind the Heiress, A Book of the Unseen by Bliss Carmen. I claimed three sections, or three poems, under this project, and the very first section or poem that I did was called The Sleepers. This opportunity allowed me to learn how voiceover and voice recording worked, and I can't wait for future projects and future recordings to help improve my voiceover skills. Thank you. Hello, my name is Glenn O'Brien. I joined Twitter Fox on the 3rd 9th, 2013. The first recording I did for Fox was also caused by current Clark Moore. The first solo recording was The Pearl of Great Price by Joseph Smith Jr. The first time that I did some singing for Will Fox was Joy to the World the Worst Come to Antioch, which was featured in Selections from the Army and Navy Hymn Volume 2. My first recording in the foreign language was a special recording called Memoria en Morale de Don Pedro Giron, which was featured as the En Mayores Barcias de la Lengua Castellana. The first time that I recorded a part of Dramatic Coin was Bible King James Version Esther Version 2 Dramatic Coin, while the voices for Abenak, who was one of the eunuchs. The first thing I note that I received was from a recording from the, the first chapter from the Book of Enoch, which is featured in First Chapter Question number 5. The first time that I was in the way to enter Dramatic Coin was the merger of First Version 2 by William Shakespeare. The first time I was DPL in was the, the Gospel of Matthew from the Darby version of the Bible, which was read by Alan Holstrand. My first group of Fox recording to include a particular Bible version was the Gospel of Matthew from the English Revised Version of the Bible. Also in the course by Kurt Clark Moore, read by RiverFox.org by Glenn O'Brien, www.glennobrien.net. Old Santa Claus with bush of light is reindeer tries this frosty night. All chimney tops and trails of snow the bring his theory gives to you. The steady friend of virtuous youth, the friend of duty and of truth. Each Christmas Eve he tries to come where love and peace and faith are home. Through many houses he has been 
in various beds and stockings seen, some wires low and neatly mended, others that seem for pigs intended. Where'er I find good girls or boys, and let the quarrels strive for noise, I left an apple or a tart, a wooden gun or a paired cart. The sum I gave a pretty doll, the sum a peg top or a ball, no crackers, cannons, squares or rockets to blow the eyes up or their pockets. No trunks to sun their mothers here, nor swords to beat their sisters fear, but pretty books to store their mind with knowledge of his various kind. But where I find the chance naughty, the man's root in temper naughty, banquets to parents, liars, wearers, boxes or cheese or base tail bearers. I left a long black Persian rod, such as the dread command of God, the works of parents' hand to use, when virtuous path their sons refuse. End of poem. This recording is in the public domain. Our next LibriVox Firsts segment will be conducted interview style, and I am going to be interviewing Aaron M. Lebowitz. Form name, Aaron M. L. So Aaron, what brought you here to LibriVox? My dad used to listen to some LibriVox audiobooks. I remember he mentioned the Jules Verne novel Journey to the Center of the Earth to me. I asked how it worked, and he said something about volunteers. At that time, I was really into Doctor Who novels. I'm, I still am, actually. I don't know why. Uh, so I went to the LibriVox website hoping to record a Doctor Who novel. Doctor Who is a British TV show, uh, by the way. Of course, they aren't in the public domain, so I can't record Doctor Who novels. But I decided that I should join anyway. Maybe I could have some fun with it, right? So what was your first group project, and why did you choose that work? Stories of Don Quixote, written anew for young people by James Baldwin. It's a uh, retelling of the original Don Quixote book. I think I chose it because I've always liked the story of Don Quixote, and I thought a simplified version would be fun to do. Okay, what was your first section, and why did you choose it? A dramatic reading of Oliver Twist was my first ever project. I think I chose it because I knew what it was, basically. That, and it was a dramatic reading. I really love acting, and I think that aspect of it drew me in. I looked at the available parts for Oliver Twist, and I saw Noah Claypole. He wasn't in very many chapters, and it said they needed a young male voice, so I volunteered. Okay. What is your first solo, and why did you choose that? The story of Sir Walter Raleigh. I haven't finished it yet. I think I chose it because it was easy. It is my first solo reading ever, and I wanted something easier so I could get used to it. Thank you for your time, Kangaroo. And thank you, Aaron. Hello, my name is Jonas Houston. My forum name on LibriVox is Toad of Toad Hall. And uh, I first started listening to LibriVox in 2010. The first book I listened to was The Railway Children by Edith Nesbitt. And then I listened to Shakespeare is Told for Children by Charles and Mary Lamb. And I really enjoyed listening to these things, and I really enjoyed listening to LibriVox books in general. And so for a while, I thought of joining LibriVox and helping read books, but I never really got around to it. Then, a couple years later, 
I heard my first dramatic recording on LibriVox, and I really enjoyed listening to that. And I really liked the idea of participating in a dramatic reading, and I thought that would be quite enjoyable. Finally, I did join LibriVox in July of 2015 under the form name Toad of Toad Hall. Since then, I have done about eight projects, and I really enjoy doing the dramatic readings. It's helped me learn a lot about microphones and audacity, both things you have to work with in order to uh, record the recordings. I really look forward to doing more over the years. I really enjoyed what I've done so far. I think LibriVox is a great thing. Thank you. Thank you. And now I will talk a little bit about my first LibriVox section. I joined on August 21st, 2014 at 11.34 a.m. I was looking for a short section, something that was interesting to read. I couldn't find any works I knew, but I did find a work by an author I knew, William J. Long. It turned out that this book was a prequel to another book I was reading at the time. So I signed up for the preface of Wilderness Ways. I started recording before I got an okay on the one-minute test, but thankfully the audio specs were right. Even though the audio quality was disastrous, a result of too much noise cleaning. I was using a built-in microphone on a laptop. Now I use a Samson Q1U USB desktop microphone. Here is a short audio clip of my first section. The following sketches, like the ways of Woodfolk, are the results of many years of personal observation in the woods and fields. They are studies of animals, pure and simple, not of animals with human motives and imaginations. Indeed, it is hardly necessary for genuine interest to give human traits to the beast. Any animal is interesting enough as an animal, and has character enough of his own, without borrowing anything from man as one may easily find out by watching long enough. Here's a recently recorded poem, Hymn to the Night by Longfellow. I like the audio quality much better on this one. I heard the trailing garments of the night sweep through her marble halls. I saw her sable skirts all fringed with light from the celestial walls. I felt her presence by its spell of might stoop o'er me from above. The calm, majestic presence of the night, as of the one I love. A lot of my LibriVox firsts had to do with the series Woodfolk by William J. Long. The second book, Wilderness Ways, was my first section, and the first audiobook cover I ever made, if I remember correctly, was also for Wilderness Ways. The sequel to that book, Secrets of the Woods, was the first group project I besieged also. Unfortunately, I do not remember what book I had peeled first, but I do know that my first project as DPL was The Adventures of Chatterer the Red Squirrel by Thornton W. Burgess, read by Juice Summers. I really enjoyed working on that project. This podcast is my first podcast, as I have never participated in a podcast before. 
That is a nice thing about LibriVox. There are always more things to do, more things to explore. I'd like to thank all who participated in this project, and I'd like to thank you for listening.